Welcome to the House on Fire podcast. Our aim is to light a fire for Jesus in the homes of those who listen through encouragement and equipping. Let's partner together to advance the gospel in the next generation. I am your host, Lucas Jackson, and I am passionate about seeing more people on fire for Jesus. When you listen to the House on Fire podcast, you'll hear from people you can rub shoulders with every week at Bethel Church, because all of our guests are from our church family. These are people striving to love God, love others, and to serve the world. Thanks so much for joining us on our episode for today. And today we have uh, Amy Hashberger. Did I say your last name right? Hashberger. Hashberger. A lot of people oh, like to say burger. It's, oh. it's okay. I'm so sorry. Well, we're glad to have Amy on the podcast today. So thanks for joining us, Amy. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, before we get into our topic of discussion that will guide most of our time, uh, tell us just a little about yourself and your family so we can kind of have an idea of who you are and the people you uh, you live with on a day-in and day-out basis. Yeah, so I work here at Bethel Church as the Women's Ministry Director. I've been in this role for a year. Before that, I was the Associate Director under Lori Veith, and so I've worked here for five years. And I'm married to Justin, and he's an RN, and he's in school full-time for nurse anesthetist. Okay. If you want to know how to spell anest, you say anest the Tist. Okay, okay. So it's the nurse to the anesthesiologist. So he's, we're in a pretty full season right now. And then we have three kids, Faith, who's 16. Ian, good grief, I have to think of our kids' ages. Am I at that point in my life right now? <laughs> Jewel is 11 and Ian is 10. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. And then, uh, and so that, uh, all of them go to public school, I'm assuming, right? I forget what school they go to. So we've been in public school this whole time until this year, the younger two started at a private school, which I was always very much like, my kids are going to go to public school. <laughs> They're going to be a light in dark places and was pretty, I mean, that's what I told the Lord, right? Yeah. And then this year, two of them are in private school and one of them is in high school. Okay. At um, in public school, so okay. awesome. Yeah, was that a hard decision to come to? It was. Um, I would say get my pride out of the way, and then uh, just financially, like that's a really big commitment to make yeah. to put your kids in private school. But it felt like the Lord dropped it in our laps, provided in every way possible, and it's like this is what you're doing, and didn't really give me much of a choice. And yeah. so um, it's exciting, but with I think a lot of change comes, you know, just the stressors of that. And it's just, it's it's been a really good year and we're really thankful, but it's just, it's a lot right now. And then my husband's in school too. So I'm the only one not in school. So I am their support system. <laughs> maybe, is this like a way for God to say, maybe you should go back to school, you know? Or, no way. No? That's why my husband's doing it. I'm like, I'm thankful that you're, you're going back to school because I am not, yeah. not willing. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, my wife and I are in the stage of life where we're very much hardcore. Our kids are going to public school. And yeah. uh, so I'll be curious if that ever changes. I highly doubt it'll change. Yeah. But that's I've, I've said that about a lot of things in life and <laughs> they changed. So we'll we'll see what happens. We'll you know what I, do you know what I said, Lucas? I said years ago that I could never live in Las Vegas and I lived there for three months. Really? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like, that's the only place I'm like, I wouldn't, why would you live in Las Vegas, Nevada? And God put me there for three three months. Well, why, why would you not want to live there? I, I just thought it was like Sin City and my naive little young Bible student self oh, was awesome. like, I am not going to go. And that's where God put me for a short period of time. So just kind of funny. That is awesome. So never say never, Lucas. For sure. I, I will try to backlog that. I've, I've, I've said that a few times, so. Uh, what worship service do you and your family normally attend? So that way, if somebody were to be on the lookout for you, they could they could find you on a Sunday morning. Yeah, it just depends on where each of us are serving that morning. If I'm serving in children's church first service, or if Justin is serving in gatekeepers, yeah, just depends. Sometimes it's just me and the kids. Sometimes it's 
uh, staying for two services. So I would say typically the second service. Okay. It just depends on what we've got going on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And is there a specific life group or discipleship making group of people that you guys are involved in that's been really just beneficial for your guys' pursuit of the Lord and being in community? Yeah. So for me personally, I'm always in a women's Bible study. We have book clubs in the summer. I just finished a book club this summer, leading one. I find that if I'm leading the study, I, it, that helps me keep stay accountable because yeah. that keeps me in the word because yeah. I know that I have a group of people that are showing up that are expecting me to be a little bit prepared. And so I lead a Bible study throughout the year. Um, so I, yeah, being in a women's Bible study is really helpful for me. Awesome. No, that's great. Um, well, the conversation we're going to have today specifically is how do I say yes to the right things? Oh, man. And there's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of implications to this. So we'll, we'll dive right on in and just start out with you know, how do you create margin in your life? And how does that look like for you and your family? Yeah, so I want to start by reading a quote that I wrote down from a book. So, I mean, you might hear that word margin and you're like, what does that even yeah, mean? Absolutely. Is that like margin on a paper? I don't know what that means. But in his book, Margin Restoring Emotional, Physical, Financial, and Time Reserves to Overloaded Lives by Richard Swenson, he describes margin like this Margin is the space between our load and our limits, it is the amount allowed beyond which is needed. It is something held in reserve for contingencies and unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between, between rest and exhaustion, the space between breathing freely and suffocating. Margin is the opposite of overload. If we are overloaded, we have no margin. Most people are not quite sure when they pass from margin to overload. I think this is super interesting. He says, if we are equipped with a flashing light to indicate 100% full, we could mm. better gauge our capacities, but we don't have such an indicator light. And we don't know when we've overextended until we feel the pain. As a result, many people commit to 120% life and wonder why the burden feels so heavy. It is rare to see a life pre-scheduled to only 80%, leaving a margin for responding to the unexpected that God sends our way. Margin is not something that just happens. You have to fight for it. Yeah. So I really like that. And I recognize that... Um, so like I'm I'm in a very full season of life right now. So don't hear me talk about margin or like oh Amy's got all this free time on her hands. That's actually not the case at all. Yeah. So I have learned that that is very true that you do sort of have to fight to have any extra time to decompress, spend with your family, all of those things. Um cuz many of you listening might just say like I have zero extra time. I have a lot of single mom friends that it's like, I know I yeah. like you, you don't have a lot of extra time, but I don't think it's, it's about creating time that you don't have. I think it's about making the most of the time that you do have, uh, telling our time where to go. I've, we've heard it before. Like if you don't tell your time where to go, your time tells you where to go. Yeah. Um, and so we need to kind of create space between our load and our limits. And if, if I'm depleted, I don't minister to my family well. I don't minister to uh, the women that I serve well, my kids. I'm you know, short with my family. I'm running around aimlessly. Um, so you asked me, how, how do I um, find margin? So I'm going to yeah. say three things that I thought of. So the first one would be to batch my work. So that means maybe personally, like let's say you're at home, maybe on Sunday, you pull all the ingredients together for your meal. Maybe you did your grocery shopping and I chop all my vegetables and I cook my meat and I do all these things. That's called batching. And that maybe takes me two hours, but it saves me time every single day. It's interesting how much yeah. that two hours would save me. And um, practically at my work, a lot of times I will plan out, my, you know, like my entire week and say, okay, on Monday I do these tasks yeah. and then I don't have to do that five times every other day. Like I yes. do it all on Monday. Yeah. Uh, the second thing I would say plan ahead. So when I plan ahead, I always, um, I always like to say, I am doing a favor for future Amy. <laughs> That's an awesome phrase. Because like, oh. you know how like you see the towel laying on the floor uh -huh. and you're like, oh, I could pick that up now. Uh-huh. And future Amy you know, would be but happy. But future Amy, that would be a really nice gesture towards oh. future Amy. So I like, I know people that plan out their outfits for the week 
our oldest daughter does this. She's like, I've got all my laundry done and all my outfits planned out for the week. And, That's awesome. Um, or you could, you know, plan out your meals for the month or like a lot of times at work, I will take, like for example, right now um, for women's ministry, I have our whole, I have our whole month and like holiday season, like from now I would say through December, all yeah. planned out. Because then what that does is it creates margin in your mind. You're not like, oh, what am I doing next week? What are we doing next month? Yeah. When is that deadline? I have the whole thing planned out and I can go to this big sheet that I've, all the tasks are there. So I know not everyone's wired that way, yeah. but I have found probably out of necessity because I found that I didn't have the time. I don't have the time to do this every single day and plan out what I'm doing. So if I do it one time and I spend maybe one full day planning, that saves me 15, 20 minutes every single day. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, life's, <clears throat> life's pretty chaotic. I mean, there's a lot of unexpected things that happen. And so I often think to myself, well, if I, if I can, can, you know, plan out the things that I can control, then I'm creating margin for when the messiness happens and there's space for that to happen. Yes. So then I'm not even more stressed because I'm thinking about this thing I'm on my way to or thing I really need to do. I can be like, okay, I've got this margin. So therefore I can focus on this issue at hand. What if it's a kid or you know, really whatever it is, like there's margin to be able to handle the unexpected things that are going to happen in life if you like it or not. Yep, absolutely. And what if what if God had something for you and your schedule was so full, you had no room for that thing? Yeah. You know, I my um, Heather, who I work with, she said that the other day. She said, I, I want space in my life to be able to bring meal to a friend or if someone's hurting, we can go have coffee. Yeah. And it, just thinking about those things of like, gosh, I have no free time. And when I do have free time, I'm exhausted and I plop down on the couch and I have nothing left to give. And I think I just, I used to be that person. I used to be the person who was um, depleted all the time. And don't get me wrong. I'm in a, you know, full, I like to say full instead of busy. I'm in a full season of life right now. Uh, but I have chosen in the middle of that busyness to not get overwhelmed. I have a sign. If you walk in my office, there's a picture that I just took a big sticky note and it says, I don't do overwhelm. Mm. That's just not something I do. I don't accept stress. So I know that sounds like some new agey, like, oh, get it, get it away from me. Like, But it's just, a, I think it's a conscious decision that I've made. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, And so when I find myself getting right? That overwhelm, that stress that starts, oh my word, my schedule's too full. I consciously, oh yeah, that's not something I do. What can I set aside? What can I let go of? And what am I trying to control here? Because really I'm yeah. not, I'm not in control. Yeah. Um, so the third thing I would say is seasonal planning. I have a planner that I've been using for 10 plus years. It's from a company called Cultivate What Matters. It's a Christian company. And it's a goal setting system. So it's not a to-do list. It's not, yeah. you kind of get to that, but it's a goal setting planner. It asks you questions like, what fires you up? Like what brings you joy? Yeah. Um, what worked in the last season that you're just walking out of and what did not work? And you're so you're seeing all these things on paper and you're praying through it and you're like, oh, Wow. I, yeah, Saturdays were crazy. I didn't like that. I didn't like that my Saturdays were so crazy. So I'm going to free up time on Saturdays. Like whatever the thing is that sort of comes out off the page yeah. when I'm doing that journaling, uh, usually is very telling and revealing to me what I need to let go of and what I need to say yes to. So I would say creating that margin by spending time with the Lord and being alone with my thoughts um, has been really beneficial to me. And that's that seasonal planning, that specific planner you have uh, that you've been using. Is that where it's like it 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 says, okay, let's look back at the last three months or the last four months, or is it more of a like day to day kind of thing? So then you know, four or five months on the road, you can look back to whatever that was that day. How how does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. So they have different options. I used to do just the yearly planner. You plan out an entire year. And I found I fell off the bandwagon after about four, right? Because your season <laughs> yeah. changes. You change. Your season change. God works in seasons, right? He's always like yeah. the seasons. And it's interesting how we try to buck that system. We're, oh, we're not going to like, this is my word for the year. This is the thing I have chosen. Well, maybe it's not serving you well anymore. Maybe yeah. you need... So I... 
I opted to do a seasonal planner. So every three months, I have a planner on my nightstand or sometimes it's at work with me and I'm writing in it and I'm figuring, oh gosh, yeah, that didn't work. I don't like Mm. that. Like constantly making notes and then it gets you to a point in the planner where you are writing down those goals. These are my goals for the next three months. And what's nice is you're not tied in for a whole year. It's just a season. It's just three months. And right now, like I had kind of a busy summer. So my goal for this fall, like all over the pages, I just kept writing, I want a slower fall than I've Mm -hmm. ever had before. Because I think fall has this fall energy that has this tendency. You got to do all the things. The kids are in sports, the, you know, you've school starting up, you've got all these work opportunities and the PTA and like all these things that you want to say yes to. And I found I I really needed to slow down because I had a little bit of a busier summer. So it doesn't have to be this big lofty goal is what I'm saying. It could be something really small as I want a slower fall. Yeah. And like what some of some of the categories. So like some people listening maybe think, okay, like that makes sense. I can do that from like a work perspective, um, which I'm assuming you're doing that, but also you're doing it from a family perspective. So it's not just work only or family only. I guess you're probably taking in all the things in life, which probably can, you know, consist of things that your husband have going on, things that your kids have going on and trying to, Look at that from a holistic perspective and and figure out, okay, God, what are we going to do in this season? Absolutely. That's a great question. So I I really try to model my life as God, family, work in that order. I don't don't want to get that mixed up. And so I think writing everything down, I can see where I'm a little lopsided. Yeah. Like, oh man, I haven't sat down with the kids one day this week after school and like, how is your day? How, you know, oh, we haven't had family meals in, you know, a few days or, you know, this has been, so it's, so that God, family, work. And so, yeah, I absolutely take all those things into consideration when, um, when doing my goal setting. There's a little bit of everything, right? Does your husband join you in that? Do you kind of like, are you the one who kind of plops it all out and lays it all out? And then you're like, okay, sweetie, we got to have a conversation. Like, is he involved in that? A little bit. So I I do all the planning. And then, so we have an iPhone calendar. Yeah. Are you an Apple user? Or are you an Android I'm all, user? I'm only partially offended that you would ask me this, Amy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have to ask. No, I, no, I, I, uh, I only use Apple. I'm, I just, for whatever reason, want to pay all the money for all the expensive things. So We're, we're the same way. But it's because how- I don't want to figure anything out because it's just done and it's easy. So I have all things Apple, so... Yeah, so do we. So we really do like the Apple calendar and I will plug different things in and I will actually, so we'll plan things like date nights and we will plan things like, and I I, I plan pretty far ahead. So let's say, what you know. Is, what does pretty far ahead mean? Because for somebody that may be so, like a day or two, oh, some, I mean, when I think that, I'm thinking 18 months. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking. When I say far ahead, I'm thinking 18 months. So I, I would go back to seasons. So I okay. plan okay. by seasons. So for work, I plan an entire year. And maybe some of that comes. So I have a fashion background. I don't know how many people know that. So I used to work at a corporate fashion office where you're working on clothes and floor sets for Christmas so it's when season. it's in the middle of summer. Okay. And okay. so it... Like I, for work, I have the whole year planned out for my home life. I would say it's, and for my personal, like well-being, like what am I focused on my goals? What is God speaking to me right now? I would say about three months at a time. Okay. I'm focusing on. Yeah. So I'll plan when I say pretty far ahead, I'll plan things like, okay, Ian is doing flag football this month and we're going to be gone two nights a week. So on this night, Justin, we're doing date night and I will put it in the calendar. We're going on a walk. I know some of that sounds silly, but I think when you get to a point of realizing how depleted you can become, it's almost like out of desperation. Like we need this. We need to plan some of these things or they're not going to happen. Yeah. Well, and I think it probably brings simplicity, like in clarity. It's, It's written down. I'm looking right at it. I'm assuming... It's synced on your your you know device. It's synced on his. So you're looking yep. at the same family calendar. There's not two. My wife and I used to do that, and we used Google, you know the Google stuff for a long time or the Apple Apple calendar. But since you know we, Teams is kind of a big thing here at work, and I'm like, love, I'm not, I don't want to do a, a a calendar in Teams or Outlook and a and a calendar in Apple, and I really don't want to sync the two. So I'm like, I don't know. I just can we just do one? So she's signed in on her phone into my account. So we just we use the same one. So it's just that that simplicity brings a lot of clarity. I feel like for us, uh, and it 
uh, it, less issues and, and that kind of stuff that comes up because we're just looking at the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And he will plug his school count. So right now it's just a unique season that we're still adjusting to. He's got one year under his belt for his doctorate for, you know, for school. And so he'll plug his whole school calendar for the semester. So I feel like I'm, it's, it's seasonal, right? It's a whole semester. So I know what his schedule is through December right now. Yeah. And so we're already thinking like, what are we doing for Thanksgiving? What are we doing for Christmas? Cause we're sort of planning around his breaks. Cause yeah. he has these short little breaks and it's for like, sure. we have to make the most of this family time. So yeah. I think that's what you said is great to just always be on the same page with your spouse. Yeah. And you know, and I, and my assumption is you'd probably say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the way you do this doesn't really matter. It's whatever serves you and your family well. Absolutely. Like I remember in college, I had, just had a little paper calendar and I could, you know, I could open it up and see the month. And then I could see the, the week on, you know, one on the left side, it was the first three days on the right side, it was the other four days or anyway, seven, the whole week. And, and to be able to do it in pencil and for me to lay it out, you know, very simplicity, it was like the best thing I could do. I was able to manage my schoolwork and basketball and my, my work schedule and, it was very. It was like this simplistic thing that worked really well. So I would just encourage families. It doesn't really matter the way you go about doing it. Just do it in such a way that serves you and your family best. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I hope no one ever hears me say, "Oh, Amy said I have to plan four months in advance." So that's what I have to do. And I think every while when you're planning, if you do decide to plan ahead a little bit, you're gonna see, especially if you're seeking the Lord you're journaling, you're reading his word, some things are going to come to the forefront of like, this is what I value in my life. This is what's important. And so I think through journaling, through planning ahead, I have learned these are the important things to me. So I make time for those things. And other people, you're going to make time for other things that are important to you and your family. Yeah. And I think, you know, like when students graduate high school and go off to college, time looks crazy different. They were going from being told what to do, so to speak. Their schedule laid out every day. Then you go to college, and you may like not have any classes on Fridays or or, or Tuesday, Thursday, and you're like, well, "What do I do with my day?" And so figuring that out, like it's it, it it's an adjustment. So knowing what you value and the things that you really want to be a part of is going to help you fill your schedule in such a way that honors God, but also doesn't deplete you and you know turn you into a zombie for the next. I mean, I guess in the context of a college student for the next four years of your life, and so. Um, my father-in-law often said, or maybe maybe it's Pastor Brandon in Austin, Texas. I forget who it was, but he says, yeah, it's Pastor Brandon. He said, saying yes to something always means you're saying no to something else. Yes. If, you, if you like that or not, and actually, I don't like it. I, my personality is like when somebody says, man, Lucas, I remember one time uh, I, my boss like, Lucas, I think you should do missions at our church. I'm like, baby, I'm in. And they're like, but you're going to have to give up youth ministry. I'm like, no, I will do both. <laughs> and he was wise enough to be like, no, you cannot. In my opinion, I was like, I know I won't be the, the best at both, but both are amazing. How, how do I choose? Like, I don't want to choose between. The answer is yes to both. So we'll f- figure this yeah. out. Um, I'm so glad that you said that because I had something similar written down. And I, so okay, that's a great example. Once you say yes to something, you're automatically saying no to something else. If I say yes, so going back to Ian, he just kind of is finishing some flag football and it's two nights a week. I don't like scheduling a lot in the evenings, but this is something he really wanted to do. If I say yes to football two nights a week, I'm automatically saying no to two nights of normal meal times as a family. Yeah. Like that that's not really a choice I'm giving myself. This is what I'm choosing. Yeah. And so I think so Lisa Turkhurst has this book called The Best Yes. And she says to follow your decisions to the end. Hmm. So when you make a decision, follow it all the way to the end. Where is it going to go? If I say yes to football, oh, that means two nights a week, we're going to be eating sandwiches on the the football field or someone's going to have to drive Jewel to tutoring or, you know, like we're going to be running all over the place. We're going to be separated. Am I okay with that for two nights a week? And if I'm okay with that and that adds value to our family for that season, awesome, go for it. But if it doesn't and you follow that decision to the end and you're like, I don't like what I'm finding there, then you might need to pull back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, I think that's super helpful. And when you've schedule things out a little bit. You 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 get a big picture of the the season that's coming up. You know, you can see that on paper. It's similar to the finances and I I I would agree with Dave Ramsey in the sense I think if you write out your plan, you you know the data. There's no like, well, we have lots of money. Well, what does that mean? Or like, no, we don't have any money. Well, what does that what's the data say? Well, the data says, you know, you're making this amount, but you're spending over $1,000. But you don't know that unless you have the plan written out. I'm a 
I mean, it didn't, I mean, it could be electronically, but I'm totally convinced when people are like, well, you know, it's, it, it's, it, this is how it is. I'm like, well, but what does that really mean? What does the data specifically say? So then that gives you a reality, what's, what the truth is, and then you can make adjustments. So knowing that your schedule laid out, then it's easy to be like, oh yeah, like if we do this two nights a week, um, we know what this is going to look like for the next season. And so, yeah, I think that's super helpful to be able to have that laid out. Yeah. It's so important to know what you value and what is important to you and your family in the season that you're in. Yeah. I think recognizing your season, I always say, so I lead our mom's groups here at Bethel and I always say, recognize the season that you're in and live like you're in that season. Like you were talking about students going from living with their parents to being out in college and it's such an adjustment. Yeah. Same as for like a young parent. I, I became a parent at 22 years old. And what an adjustment to going from single life to mm-hmm. you have this child to care for. <clears throat> Live like you're in the season that you're in. Yeah. Don't try to do all the things that you did pre-kid, but we do, yeah. right? Oh man, we do. We do. And even I think for a student, if we're talking about that, you can go from maybe mom and dad pay for things. And all of a sudden you have to pay thing for things on your own. And you're yeah. like, what does this look like? I'm broke all the time, right? Same with parents. We're broke all the time too, right? But it's, it's, I think it's such an adjustment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How do we say yes to the right things? And, and I understand that what may be right for somebody would not necessarily be right for somebody else. And that would be, a, I think, a personal preference. I mean, there's some biblical things that, that would potentially not be right for any follower of Jesus, for sure. Um, but we've got some, we, we have some freedom as believers to be able to do certain things. And so, um, how do how do we help families navigate how to say yes to the right things? Old Amy used to say, like, if you asked me to do something, if I was free on my calendar, like I'm looking at my calendar and I'm free, and you need me, that's all I needed to it was say. An yes. Automatic boom. I was like, you're, you're putting you, it in. Someone needs me, and I'm valued. Okay. And I have just learned to scale back from that. I think even when I ask volunteers to do something for women's ministry, I always say, if this is not something God has called you to do, man, I don't want you to say yes to this. So I think as believers taking that step back and saying, am I saying yes to this out of my own FOMO, right? That fear of missing out. Because I used to do that all the time. Fear of missing out. uh, Fear that I would miss out on a great opportunity. I love the, like, something might be a really good, like, that's a good opportunity for you. Maybe it's not your opportunity though, even though it's really good. And so I think even right now for me personally, I am saying no to a lot of good things. So we said no to piano lessons right now because our kids switched to private school and it's a little bit more rigorous and they have a little bit more homework. So we're like, we can't do piano lessons. That's a really good thing. I love that our daughter takes piano lessons. We can't do it. I have said no to singing on worship team. I love singing on worship team, but I don't have the margin for it. I don't have the availability and it kind of depletes me. Mm -hmm. I think before you say yes or no to something, you should ask the question. I think Lisa Turker says this, that book I referenced earlier, The Best Yes. She says, is this going to, bankrupt me. You know how like, let's just say you have a little bit of money in your bank account and you're like, if I buy this $100 item and I have only got 75 bucks, should I buy this item? Probably no, because it's going to bankrupt you. So I, that is a question that I ask before making a decision. Yeah, no, that's good. That's super helpful. And I mean, again, we're going to interpret, uh, right things differently as families. And my father-in-law says often, Every decision is a value decision. So by you saying yes to something that says, I mean, I guess maybe maybe if you haven't thought about it subconsciously or consciously, you're, you're saying you value that to some extent. Maybe not as much as other things, but also by saying no to something says that you you don't value that. And so again, we have freedom in what that looks like, but it would be worth, I think, families figuring out like, here's the things that we value, which should drive decisions on what they say yes and no to. Yeah. A big value for me is I value not giving my family my leftovers. Yeah, I've seen that in action. Like, okay, so I have a teenager and I see her kind of keep it together all day at school. And right, you've got all these peers to impress and all this. And she comes home and sometimes we'll get like, when, like, like the leftovers. She's like crabby to us. And it's like, what's going on here? Yeah. But I have recognized that I do that exact same thing. Mm. If I give everything, every ounce and I bankrupt myself, all day long where I'm not taking like, right, that sign. I don't do overwhelm. I'm yeah. I'm accepting that stress and that overwhelm all day. I go home and I'm like, I have nothing left. 
oh, you want me to cook? You want me to, you know, and I, we have to do yeah. these things, right? We, but I think, like you said, it's really important to, like, if you value eating dinner together as a family every night, that should be at the top of the list. You should then yeah. plan ahead, plan out your meals, do your meal prep, like if that's a value for you. So yeah. that way, that evening, I'm like, oh, I know what I'm making. I know exactly what we're doing and we're going to sit down as a family to eat. So whatever those values are to really make those a priority. And if you're somebody who's in, you know, maybe the the newlywed stage of life, like, you know, it's a little bit easier. Or if you're single, you know, it's a little easier, I think, to figure this out. But if you don't take the time to figure out things that you value and the things that you want to say yes and no to, when it does get busy and you have less and less margin, uh, you're, you're going to face these. So figuring these things out now is going to save you some heartache. So future Amy would be super happy if uh, past Amy would sit down and, and plan a few things out. I, I really <laughs> wish I would have. <laughs> it would have saved a lot of heartache. Yeah, I think on that line, if you are newlyweds or you're just getting married, you you maybe haven't faced much yet and you just don't yeah. you don't anticipate those things you don't plan for those things and so when they happen i do want to be prepared i i, I can't remember where i heard it some using that word reserves like I have no reserves, like yeah. pulling from those. If I'm constantly pulling from my reserves, like if I have a savings account and I'm constantly pulling from that, well, that savings account's going to get depleted pretty fast. I don't want to live in that. I don't want to always be pulling from my reserves, my savings account. I want that there for when I really, really need it. Yeah. And that's kind of like how I like to describe margin, that we do need that extra space where my life is sort of planned out a little bit. I have a direction. I know where I'm going. I know where God is leading me so that when something hard happens, when my friend needs to go have coffee, when my daughter needs to talk to me for two hours, I'm not like, oh, are you serious? I don't have time for this. I can be like, yes, I have the energy for that because I have not totally depleted myself today. Yeah, sure. So for you and your family and your context, how do you guys say yes to the right things? How do you specifically decide, okay, here's something that, I mean, because this happens like every day, like, hey, here's this thing. Can I get your help with it? You know, or, hey, there's this thing and somebody needs to be served and, or it's, or it's your kids or it's your, I mean, there's just, and somebody could say, well, you know, back in the day, they didn't have to do this. I'm like, yeah, but they grew and shot all their food. So uh, I don't know if they had a whole lot of margin. Like they <laughs> were growing it and shooting yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yes, it's different. You know, it's not apples to apples, but I don't think they were just sitting around thinking, hey, Lord, thanks for growing everything. Didn't have to plow. Didn't, you know, like, I mean, it, it's, it's, I'm being a little silly, but nonetheless, I don't, I don't think it was better back in the day, so to speak. Um, because we, we create our own, we make decisions that serve us well and or create havoc in our lives. Now, there's times, I guess, where other people's decisions cause havoc in my life that maybe I didn't uh, didn't choose or whatever, but but my, the rhythm of my life and my family's life is my fault. It is not uh, somebody else's fault or my wife and I's fault, I guess, because we're doing this together or whatever. And so anyway, so how, how do you guys say yes to the right things for you and your family? I would say constant communication. So I am I am not ashamed to say this. My husband and I have been in marital counseling probably our whole marriage and we will continue to do that monthly. Just it's it's so good. Yeah. And our counselor taught us this acronym. You've probably heard it, Thanos. Not Thanos. <laughs> That's exactly what I, I thought. Was like, I was like Thanos. I saw I know the that wheels guy. turning. Yeah. <laughs> Snap. Isn't that the guy that Snaps his finger. Is that the Thanos yeah, and, and then, like, like destroys everything, everything? Yeah, it kills everybody. It's, yeah. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Sorry. So it's Thanos with an F. <laughs> oh, good grief. Now now that I've said it, now I have to remember it. So F. So Justin and I do this thing where we will check in with each other. And when we first started doing it, she encouraged it, like, do this every day. Do this every week. Okay, now that we're kind of into it, it's just sort of impromptu. F is how are you feeling? How are you feeling today? How are you, how are you doing? A is affirm something in them. Mm-hmm. Like, gosh, I saw you wipe up the bathroom counter and clean that up. And I just really appreciated that. And is, what do you need from me? So, and you kind of each say, well, I need you to do this. I need hugs from you more often. I need you to put gas in the car when yeah. <laughs> you're using it. O is own something. So I need, you know, I, I snapped at you earlier. I own that. I, I did not say that in a respectful tone at all. I'm really sorry. And then S is, and I think this is maybe a part that she sort of um, added in, but it's 
spiritually, how do you want to grow? Mm. And so that that check-in, so if you've never done it before, I would encourage you to do it daily, do it weekly. And now that we've done it a while, we do it, you know, just whenever we need to. But staying connected, staying in close communications helps us make uh, those decisions. And so like before Justin went back to school, we had to, I was kind of in between, I was still the associate director of women's ministry and I was actually offered a job somewhere else. And we were kind of in between the stage of like, what do we do here? Yeah. And I thought I wanted to become self-employed. I'm an entrepreneur at heart, big time. And I thought that's what I was going to do. And it was like the day I decided to do that, Justin got a call from UND and it's like, you got into school. And he like, so in a moment, all these plans that I had kind of changed yeah. and we had to be in close communication of what does Amy's job need to look like? And Justin said, it's got to be flexible, Amy. Like, and it was very clear starting a new business probably wasn't the best time to do that with Justin yeah. quitting his full-time job and going back to school. And so we needed to be in contact with each other and, okay, I need a flexible job. And God just, you know, kind of dropped all this into my lap and, and worked out all the details. But if you don't, you don't know unless you ask. Yeah. I always tell, like, I always tell parents, ask your kids what they, what they want to do, what things they like. I think sometimes we stress ourselves out. So holidays are a great example. We've got to go look at lights and we've got to go to the parade and we've got to make 10,000 sugar cookies and we have to do all these things. And I tell moms, just ask your kid what their favorite thing is. And they'll be like, I like when we put our pajamas on and drink hot chocolate and watch a movie. Awesome. Let's do that one thing. Yeah, like don't try to do all the things. things. Off the list yeah. Like, Praise God. Yeah. But I think it's like that with marriage and with the family. Just ask each other. Yeah. What's important to you right now? And let's work together on this. Yeah. No, that's good. What values kind of help you guys you know, create that margin and say yes to the right things. And, um, and maybe I should have a definition. I use the word value a lot, but whatever's most important to you, um, that kind of drives you guys to be able to make those decisions on what you're going to say yes to. And you're going to say no to. We've learned that as a family, we really value not being stressed. Not only are Justin and I like that, our kids are like that. We value a little bit of a slower pace our lives are already so full and we're go, go, go all day long, us and our kids. And so I think, again, just by asking our kids, what's your favorite thing that we do as a family? Yeah. What, what kind of pace do you enjoy? And they're like, I love when we have nothing going on on a weeknight. They love that. We're going to eat dinner and then we're going to make popcorn and then we're going to play a game or watch a movie on a weeknight. Like that sounds awesome. And yeah. so when we have time to do those things, I think it's, yeah. So we, we really value not being stressed and we value date nights and we value eating dinner together. And so I think, I think women, I don't want to generalize this, but I think women do struggle separating part, like you men are amazing at this where you can separate, put things, com compartmentalize yep. things. Uh -huh. That's not a huge strength of mine. So I am learning to do that. So leaving work at work and being home with my kids, like it's so important to separate those things so I don't bring that stuff. So we really value just time together as a family. And yeah. the, I think Lisa Turker, she asks this question in the Best Yes book is, do you have the required resources to do a task? So before mm -hmm. we commit to anything, I like to ask that question, like, do I even have the required resources? Again, back to the dipping into that savings account, always dipping into your reserves. Why am I doing that? If, if I don't have the resources to do this task, I probably shouldn't do it. I probably shouldn't say yes to this. Yeah, no, that's good. Are there biblical, biblical values that drive things that, that we all should say yes or no to? I mean, as believers, like there's, there's some commands in Scripture that, that are universal to every believer. And so what are maybe some of those in your guys' lives? All the Lord wants of me and all the Lord wants of you is our yes, our obedience every day, right? He's leading the show. He just wants our yes, our obedience. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So I just ask, what is God asking me to do right now? And am I saying yes to him? Am I saying yes to the right things? Or am I saying yes to anything and everything? Again, right? Because I've got that FOMO, because I'm needed, because I'm valued, um, because I'm trying to keep up with someone else. That's a big one, I think, in just our culture, like always trying to keep up with someone. Am I trying to earn his love somehow by doing, doing, doing? 
So I think we need to really, um, and a lot of times they're good things. They're good things that we say that we're saying yes to, but they yeah. they are cumbersome. And so if I focus on everything, if I give my attention and en- energy to everyone and everyone, I'll just be um, depleted. Yeah, I did my quiet time a few years back. It turned into kind of a sermon series, but through the book of Deuteronomy, and I learned that that discipline. The phrase I thought of was discipline equals freedom. And I was like, well, that's not as biblical. I was like, obedience equals freedom. When I have obedience to what the Lord is telling me, and he's telling me plenty of things in his word and his spirits guide me, when I am obedient to those things, I think I I will be in a position and a place in my life where I'm going to be satisfied in the Lord and what I'm doing because I'm being obedient to what he desires of me and nothing else. And even, oh, 1 John 5, it says, this is the love of God or another way. This is how we know we love God if we obey his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome, mm. which is fascinating because you look at the Pharisees and in the Sermon on the Mount, I think Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus leans in like crazy on those mugs and they they took something that was honoring, extremely biblical and turned it and twisted it in such a way that it became an idol. And that was mm. truth and what God desired. And so even, even the word of God could be turned in such a way that it could be sinful. And so I love how you're saying just obedience because that applies to any and everything in life. Yep. And that applies to no matter if you're a kid or a teenager, college, young adult, mayor, you know, whatever phase of life you're in, that being obedient is something that the Lord desires from all of us as believers. Yeah, because we, we can have all these answers or I can I can plan and plan and plan yeah. and have no clue what God's going to do in the future. And so I think absolutely daily dying to my flesh, I always... Our flesh is always trying to save ourselves. Every day, my flesh is trying to be at the forefront, trying to save Amy. It can't. It doesn't work. And so I think just constantly dying to that flesh and just saying, God, what do you want of me? And sometimes that answer is not going to be what I want it to be. Yeah. Honestly, I, if I'm being real honest, I, I didn't want to work as much as I'm working right now. I didn't know my husband was going to be going back to school. It all just sort of happened. And I thought I was going to be doing something a little bit different. But God gives me the ability and the grace every day to get through it. And sometimes when you're in a really, I'll say busy, you're in a really busy or full season, um, you have to just sort of step back and say, how can I find joy in the middle of this? Because it, it might not end for a while. Maybe you are a single parent or maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe you have a cancer diagnosis, whatever's going on in your life. And and you don't see reprieve or an end to that anytime soon. And so you're going to have to make the choice. Am I going to find joy in the middle of this? Or am, am I just like waiting for it to get over? Okay, when this stage of life is over, when my kids are out of this toddler, when, when they're out of diapers, when, when they're out of college, when they're out of whatever yeah. that next thing is, then I can have freedom, then I can have joy, then I can have margin in my life. So I think making the conscious decision to do these things now versus waiting is is key. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, um, I, I being a man of my word is a pretty high value. So when I when I say something, like it almost has to be, man, it I don't even know I don't even know if I'd ever not do it almost. And so um, and I did have a season in my life where I said yes to so much stuff. I, I, I was about to have like a couple anxiety attacks kind of thing. Physically, my, my, my body was reacting to the, how pace, how fast the pace of life was. And so I, I just want to encourage people. I think there are times where you may be in a, in a full or busy season of life and you need to stop like, okay, here's, here's the data. Here's the schedule. It is, this is too much. And it, there maybe is a high, uh, need for you to go to somebody that you committed something to and say, Hey, I should not have done this. Please forgive me. You know, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Um, can we figure this out? Cause I want to honor you and serve you and honor my word. But is there a way we can figure this out? I, I'm not going to be able to do this for the next, you know, 10 months or whatever it was. I think there's, that's a good thing to do. I don't think it's best to ghost that person and just to not show up. I don't think that's honoring to the Lord or serving you well, but I think there are times where we need to do that. We need to lean in and say, and I think face-to-face is best. I should not have done this. This was my fault. Please forgive me. Um, I'm very sorry. What what can we do in order to you know offload this on my plate or whatever that looks like? Um, I think that's something that's okay to do. I don't necessarily think you need to burn the ship down because you said yes to this thing. 
every Tuesday night and you're just going to hate life, you know? Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. I think we need to be okay with disappointing people. Yeah. Because there's always going to be people disappointed in you no matter what you do right there yep. will be someone disappointed. So I think it's okay. And I re- really actually respect people who can say, I was wrong. I, yeah. I, I I can't commit to this. I really respect when they're just honest and say, yeah, I made a mistake and we need to backpedal a little bit here. Yeah. And I think too, just in church world, uh, uh, there's always a few questions I want to ask anybody that really wants to serve in youth ministry specifically. I'm like, hey, like, well, like, are you involved in our church? You know, what church service do you go to? And I don't do that out of legalism. I do that out of, out of a desire for their obedience to our local body, but also are they being fed the word of God and, and being a part of that on a consistent basis? So that's that's the why behind that question. And I often ask, hey, like, what what where, what community group, life group are you in where you're being cared for well? And again, not out of legalism, but but if our leaders, if they're spiritually healthy, they're, they're being obedient. These are examples of obedience then them caring for other people, this is out of their overflow, more most likely, not always. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're thriving with the walk with your walk with the Lord. And just because you're involved in a life group doesn't mean you're thriving with your walk with the Lord. But they can be evidences of, and then the overflow of that would be serving in student ministry. And so I ask those questions because I want to care well for that person. I've heard people oftentimes in church world, you know, 20% of the church does 80% of the work. And then I think to myself, okay, is this true? And I think so. I I, I haven't really ever looked at the data, so to speak, I guess here at Bethel specifically. But then I think to myself, well, how did I contribute to the problem? Because I'm I'm a part of the problem, Mm -hmm. especially, I mean, I guess specifically here at Bethel. And so I'm like, maybe maybe only 20% of the people do 8% of the work is because, you know, because we have created an environment within the context of our church where we allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. What if we didn't allow that to happen? What if we had conversation with people and said, hey, we'd love to have you serve in this area. Are you serving anywhere else? No, I'm not. Okay, well, maybe this is something the Lord wants you to do. Yeah. Are you serving any other area? Yeah, like five other areas. I'm like, oh, now I've got questions. Mm-hmm. Now the, the conversation is going to turn to, how do I care for this person? Not to get what I need. I, I don't, you know, I, yes, I want people in our church to serve our students, but but that's not the highest value for me. The highest value for me is how, how do I provide soul care for this person who's probably serving in way too many areas? So then I think to myself, in this particular example, I don't want to get out of this person of what I need. That's really never what I want. I want to mobilize our church to do what the Lord wants them to do. But in that conversation with that person, I'm like, I think I need to talk them out of doing stuff. <laughs> you know. And so I sometimes think, yes, maybe 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work, but then I think, I think part of that's my fault, and I yeah. want to do something about it. So anyway. Yeah. Oh, I think it's really good to ask those ask those questions. Why are you serving? Is it because you're trying to please me? I will say people like, don't say yes because you think you're going to disappoint me. You're not going to yeah. disappoint me. I, I only want you to do this if this is what God is calling you to. Yeah, absolutely. How, how should the gospel drive the things we do or don't do in our lives? I mean, because I mean, we should be gospel-centered in all things, um, the life death, burial, resurrection of Christ himself, the one who has saved us. Um, you know, we're living for him, not for ourselves. God cares more about who we are in Christ than what we do for Christ. And so so what does it look like for the gospel to drive these things in our lives? I think bottom line, we are broken. And like I said earlier, we are always trying to save ourselves. So we always think we know what is right. Yeah. I make so many d- dumb decisions out of my flesh. Mm-hmm. And I know for me personally, I do like to say yes to things to please others. And it's it's not necessarily out of being something that God is calling me to do. And I think there's a piece there where we don't really remember who or whose we are sometimes. And we do, do, do until we have nothing else. We operate out of ourselves constantly because we're trying to save ourselves, right? It's like, look at how amazing Amy is. Look at all these things that I can accomplish and our flesh is always trying to save ourselves. When in reality, only God can save us. We can't do more, accomplish more, be more, um, or or say yes to more things to make us somehow better. And and that applies to to non-believers, you know, I mean, non-believers are doing that quite well. They're, yeah. they're living for themselves and, and living fully in the flesh. And and even as believers, we're trying to uh, get busy at saving ourselves and, and, and instead of relying upon our identity and the fact that we're an overcomer and the fact that Christ is the one who saved us. I think I think theologically and mentally we can, we're like, oh, of course, Lucas, of course, Amy, of course, Jesus has saved me. Well, then 
does the does does our lives reflect that? Mm. It, that that doesn't those two don't always line up. And so this concept of saving ourselves, I think, not only applies to believers but also even even non-believers, which is super fascinating to me. Anyway. I heard something, and I don't remember where I read this. That you know, so God operates in seasons. We've talked about that, and look at how like what time it gets dark at night. Isn't it interesting that we don't go to bed at, you know, 7.30 when it gets dark? It's actually, you know, it gets dark at like four o'clock. We're not going to bed in North Dakota in the middle of winter at four o'clock. But it's interesting how God is like, I actually set this up for you so that you knew when to go to bed and you knew when to get up. But we get out of that rhythm. And I think that's just another, like, that's just a silly example of just, but how we are always trying to, so we have light bulbs now. We, I can stay up till 11 o'clock at night like I did last night, you know, like doing all these things. It's probably better for me to go to bed. Yeah. But we get out of this rhythm that God has actually put right in front of us and designed for us so that we can, I've got to do more. I've got to do better. And it's a lot of times because we're stretched so thin. That's usually when I stay up really late. It's because I'm stretched too thin and I need to get some things done. Yeah, no, for sure. How have you seen saying yes to so much cause some havoc in your life or even others' lives? Because, I mean, and maybe not everybody has this tension, but I, I would say a majority of people that I know, you know, that there's, this is a tension that they live with. Um, and, and I get it. You know, we complicate our lives and, and we say yes to a lot of things. And and I, and I wouldn't say most, I don't think most people are malicious or about it. They're just, oh, you know, I just, I wanted to serve. And then next thing you know, you're, you're serving in such a way that it's sinful, you know, because mm-hmm. your family needs you. And so, so how, how have you seen saying yes to so much cause a little bit of havoc in your life or others' lives? I would say when I step out of that obedience and into my flesh, I think even those things, like you just said, that are good things, like I want to serve, I want to serve my church in this way. It's usually my husband who is like, do you see how much you are doing? And I didn't even realize it. When I've stepped out of that obedience, I've said too much out of that fear of missing out, out of my fleshly desires. When I've bankrupt my resources, I begin to snap at my kids. Yeah, That's like usually the first thing. I don't know what it is about, you know, I'll get in the car and it's just like, ah, you know, like I think for parents, especially of young kids, when you're around a lot of noise, hmm. I can't wait to get in the car, like on that drive home. And I'm like, it's quiet, you know, like we, we desire that. And when I go from work and I go to pick up my kids and they get in the car and instantly it's noise, noise. And it's, you know, maybe some complaining and it's like, oh my gosh, my brain cannot handle any more of this. And then it's home and then it's getting dinner on the table and it's all these things. So when I've totally allowed myself to be overwhelmed and stressed at work, I haven't separated myself and, you know, let like leaned on the Lord I'm totally depleted. I snap at my kids. I snap at my husband. And I just, I don't have the energy. I, I, I'm i not very fun. <laughs> I think most of us, especially as parents, we could say like, oh, I'm not, mom's not very fun when she's stressed out. So, <laughs> But I, we're alive yeah. and, and we're, we're alive. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just think that obedience is key. Like what is God calling you to? So don't overcommit or feel like you can't disappoint people and yeah, say yes to too many things and deplete yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that's good. What, what things has God protected you and your family from because you said no to some things? And 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 this may not, I mean, because there's a lot of a lot of things that you'll just never know. Like you'll just never know that okay, well, we said no to these things and well, and so there was no never repercussions of those things. And you had no idea what the Lord protected you from. You know, I my wife had a conversation with a um a social work company this past week to do some kind of at home counseling kind of stuff and and she thought it went great, and they, you know, and then they called and said, "Well, you know, we decided to go another direction." And, you know, and maybe that was God's way to pr- protect my wife from something. I, I remember when we were transitioning, and we were at a church in Virginia, and we thought this was going to be the place the Lord had for us. And we're, and you know, when we get there, and we're like, "Nope, this ain't it." And like they didn't even like us, and I was like, "Wait, we're like super cool people," and you know, and then even when we came up to to Fargo, North Dakota, we're like. I don't think this is the place for us. <laughs> and the only reason we came, it really, because it was an EFCA church. And that's kind of, okay. next thing you know, we come up and we're like, we love this place. This is like the best place in the world. And so now I tell people that of all the places I've ever lived, if I ever had to choose where to live, selfishly, selfishly choose where to live, it'd be Fargo, North Dakota. And I, and so anyway, so just, 
like the Lord protects us from th- some, yeah. some of those things, and you'll never know some of them. But what are some what are some of the things that you're aware of that the Lord has protected you of in your family because you simply just said no to things? Yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing that. That's that's a really cool story. I I would say God has put great opportunities, like we talked about, in my lap, and I've been able to say no to them. And the time really wanted to say yes. So great example would be before Lori was even the women's ministry director. So this is like six, seven years ago. My kids are little. I was asked to apply for the women's ministry director. So like like seven, eight years ago, will you will you apply for the women? There's an opening. And at the time, I really wanted to say yes. And I'm like, this opportunity might not come around again. And we were in a very full season of life. I was running um, a cleaning business. I ran a cleaning business for 10 years. I'm kind okay. of eclectic, got this ministry background, oh, fashion I'm background. I'm digging it. I've got like more questions, Entrepreneur. Actually. That's so, awesome. Jack of all trades, not really. I <laughs> was running a cleaning business. I was very busy and I had to say no. And I look at what this position is now and what I'm doing now. And it's like, there's no way. I could have done this when my kids were small. You know, now they're all self-sufficient. They get themselves dressed. They make themselves lunch, things like that. What was I even thinking considering that? Mm -hmm. So in in a way, absolutely, God. But it's cool how he brought it back. Isn't that interesting how it's like, yeah, you gave that up to some, you surrendered that to me. And here, seven, eight years later, here it is again. And it's so much better than what it, than it would have been back then. Yeah. Yeah, it. God's sovereignty and His timing is better than our timing. It doesn't 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 necessarily make me practically feel better about it, you know, but but that, that that's why you know in the the example of the Lord's prayer, it's like our daily bread is what we're supposed to pray for, and I think there's an aspect and a biblical value of, okay, Lord, help me today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. When tomorrow gets here, we'll be praying about that. But for today, get, give me what I need today. And we don't like that in our culture. Yeah. Uh, at least I, I should speak for myself. I don't like that. Yeah. And so are there things that you see just in, in our culture today that people say yes to that are just, it's just not honoring to God. And I guess this, this question would be specifically to our, to our believing families, you know, a part of our church and in our community. And so what, what are some things that they are saying yes to that is causing havoc in their lives and really is not honoring to the Lord? Sure. If culturally speaking, I think in general, our American culture is overcommitted. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Now, <laughs> the blessing of that is we, we, we get after it. I mean, we, we can, we can do some great things, you know? Sure. I mean, like I, I think, and there's, there's some good to that, but that came at a cost. Yeah. That came at a, at a, at a tremendous cost. So mm-hmm. anyway, so yes, I, I yeah. would 100% agree. Yeah. I think... We do focus on what other people are doing instead of our own journeys, right? So like God has called you to do something, and we've talked a little bit about that FOMO, that fear of missing out. And so I, you know, sometimes we take maybe a job on that is great pay, but maybe it's not what God has called us to do. Or maybe we take yeah. even a volunteering opportunity that is it's a great opportunity, and I could help so many people, but maybe it's not what God has called you to do. And so, you know— Maybe your child wants to be in a traveling sports team and you're like, oh man, we don't have the margin for that, but let's do it because, you know, everyone else is doing it. And yeah. so I think it's just so important to know again, and that's where that planning, that's where that goal setting comes in, where I know where I'm going. So when those great opportunities are dropped in my lap, it's an easy no for me. Just the other day, someone walked up and asked me to do something, and she looked at me and she goes, I know you're going to say no to me because you told me you're in a season of saying no. And I was like, you're right, but thank you so much for asking me. And so it was easy. It's easy when you've already made the decisions. This is what we're doing right now in this season. And so I think where we kind of get caught off guard is that these are all good things, right? A traveling sports team for your child is not a bad thing. A job with great pay is not a bad thing. But bigger is not always better. More is not always better, Mm -hmm. right? I would actually argue that a lot of times simpler is better. And just ultimately just doing what God has called you to do and not saying yes to every single opportunity because it's inherently good. I think that's where we kind of, especially in the church, get caught up is that, you know, my kids are volunteering, I'm volunteering, we're all working, we're all doing these things. And um, 
someone needs me, right? Someone needed me and I want to make them happy and I, I need to listen to the voice of the Lord. Yeah. So so the, the word like covet, don't covet your neighbor kind of comes to my mind a little bit thinking about that. And mm-hmm. So what are things you see in our church body today that people say yes to that are that is not honoring to God? So we talked about culture a little bit and so what about what about what about church body? And obviously we don't we don't have specific people in our mind or whatever, but just and the heart behind this question is to lean in here to care well for our people. And, and you know, because we're just because we're believers, that doesn't mean that my sin is still there. You know, our sin is is something we still have have to deal with. And so what are some things that you have observed in our church body that um, that people would say yes to that that is most likely not honoring to the Lord. I think, me personally, I I do place a high value on being needed and serving others, and I think a lot of people within the church could say that about themselves. Like mm-hmm. that's a high value to be needed. We all want to be needed and wanted, but that's not a good enough reason to say yes. Yeah. And we talked about resources. Do you have the resources to do this? If the answer is no, you shouldn't be saying yes to it. It I know that's like black and white, super simple, right? And yeah. it's not every decision is like mm. that. But what do you value? If you value more time with your family, then you probably shouldn't be committing to that. I, so I just think over committing yeah. is something that can really trip us up. Yeah, I don't, uh, having our identity grounded gr- grounded in Christ, uh, not in what I can do for other people. And it's interesting because I've, I've often said, or at least I think in the church context that I've been in, I think there's zero maliciousness or zero heart in, yep. in the wrong place in this. But I think oftentimes, if you were to sit down and be like, well, what, what values do you hear the most in church world? I, I think the one that creeps to the top more often than than others is a hey, serve, 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 serve. Yeah. Which is important. I, I don't think volunteering is a biblical value at all. I think serving a local body is more of a biblical concept or value that we should be living out. Um, but I, but I, I think what our people need more than just serving is, and we should talk more about, I think, and not to say we don't, but I just, just my observation I think this has been been true in any church context I've been in. Oftentimes, I think serving is important, but I think we need to make sure that we talk about our identity in Christ more than anything else. Yes, like being a follower of Jesus, obedient to Christ. Even you know, even some of the church disciplines of, of like physically being involved in this body, or involved in discipleship making groups, or being a discipler in this sermon series that we're in, um, memorizing scripture. Um, killing sin in our lives. Like these are these are things that we talk a lot about, but I sometimes think that we need to elevate them just a little bit more than than what we do for Christ. God cares more about who we are in Christ than what we do for Christ. And I think sometimes as believers we can get that identity piece uh you know, the cart before the horse or in reverse order. And so then we we find our identity in what we do, which doesn't always produce the the outcome of what we want. And then we think, Oh, well, God, well, like, what about woe is me? And I'm like, no, the Lord just wanted you to be obedient. He didn't, he didn't want you to, you know, do these things to accomplish these certain things. And so it's, mm-hmm. so it's interesting. Um, yeah. Being needed. Yeah. That's, um, and I often think to myself, I pray that Bethel church doesn't even remember my name in 50 years, mm. not because I was a, a bad guy or whatever, but just, it, it's not about me. Like in, and, yeah, and it needs to be about the Lord and not about me. I'm, the church is going to be just fine without me. Sure. And, and so, anyway, and and <clears throat> you'll never know who you are in Christ. You'll never know who you are until you know who God is. I say that over and over yeah. and over. I didn't go to the like next level of my like just knowing God until I knew who He was, His attributes. And so, I think that's so important. What you said, and something came to mind is creation. I've heard this before, has built-in rest. You know how like our plants and trees have a state of dormancy? Especially in North Dakota. Yeah, for a long time, they're (laughs) dormant. Even our animals, they have no choice. Creation has no choice but to change and shift as God is allowing, right? Here comes the snow, the animals hibernate, the trees lose their leaves, right? Yeah. But we as humans have a choice. And sometimes we don't choose rest. 
Sometimes we don't build and rest. So all these things we're talking about, they're great things. They're good things. Serving your church body, serving others, working really hard. These are good values. Are you building in rest? Are you dormant sometimes? Or are you, like you said, go, 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 go. Maybe there are seasons where you need to take a step back and be like, I love volunteering in this ministry. I'm going to take a couple months off because in this season where it's a really full for us. So I just think we need to build and rest more. Yeah, for sure. Um, And, you know, and, and we'll have to do another episode, but just on, on Sabbath, you know, we didn't even get into that. And there's still a lot lot of other things that we could have chatted about, but any, any last minute thoughts or things you want to lean in on before I, before we ask how we can pray for you? I want to read Luke 14, 28 through 30. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, Mm -hmm. whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. You know, Jesus here is talking about the cost of following him. And I love that these are the examples that he uses, something that they could relate to. Are you really going to go into this day without a plan? Are you really just going to wake up and let time happen to you and let you know the, the hard, challenging things of the day just happen to you? Or are you going to seek me first? Are you going to go into each day with intention? And obviously, we don't always do these things perfectly. I don't do them perfectly. But seeking him, setting down, having a plan, counting the cost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, your time and, and you uh, being on the episode today, Amy. And how yeah. can we specifically be praying for you and your family before we we end our time here. I would say that God spoke to me at the beginning of this journey of Justin going back to school about joy, about Mm -hmm. having joy in the middle of the journey. And so even though I am in a full season, I would love prayers for us just to continue to find joy and continue to seek the Lord. And even though we just have a lot going on, that God would just continue to give us grace and provide what we need in this season to not only get through it, but to, not just to survive, right, but to thrive and have that joy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Amy, thank you so much for your time and being on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the House on Fire podcast. Our prayer is that this podcast activates your home for Jesus. May the light of Christ burn bright through you and yours. Until next time.